0: Amen. Thank you. You may be seated this morning. Man, it's just great to be here with you this morning worshiping, singing, and we're going to get into God's Word today. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses uh, 2 through 16. And before we jump in, I just want to say, man, we are a family. We are a, a church family, and we uh, love and we support. And the Bible says when uh, you know, when someone's struggling, when someone's suffering, we, we struggle and we suffer with them. We mourn with those who mourn. And when someone's Rejoicing or celebrating, we rejoice with those and we celebrate with those. And we did that with Grace as we saw her get baptized this morning. And, man, I had the honor and the privilege last Sunday afternoon to be in the Osbornes' house having lunch with Arnold and his wife and just a great, great experience getting to hear their story. And I actually whispered to my wife, you know, we, we baptized Grace, but, man, there is such a beautiful story behind that, uh, behind her, you know, getting baptized. You, you need to get to know the Safaris. You need to hear their story. Just the way that God is working in their lives is just so powerful. And I was just incredibly blessed to hear their story last Sunday. And I also just want to point out and, and embarrass a couple. Uh, Nick and Katie got married yesterday. Yay! Yeah. Just want to say congratulations to you guys. Yeah. yay! Awesome. And they came to church the day after. You guys are awesome. That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, So, man, we just, we love to celebrate and, uh, uh, you know, just rejoice together as a family. So today, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 through 16, we're going to deal with one of the most controversial chapters probably in all of Scripture. And today we're going to deal with the issue of headship. Some of you Man, some of you just aren't going to like that part, okay? Let me just be honest with you. Some of you are going to hate this message today, and I apologize in advance. Um, But we're going to deal with headship because it's in the Scripture. We're also going to talk about gender and the implications of gender. Um, When it comes to gender, there's, there's really three main views. The first view is called feminism, okay? We've all heard that. Feminists... Essentially say that men are bad, men are evil. Men have ruined the world and women will fix the world. And way over on the other side is another view called chauvinism. Okay, Chauvinists say that men are better than women. Chauvinists say that women are stupid, women are dumb, women are weak. And they should just stay home, make dinner, and make babies, right? That's, that's what chauvinists say. That's on the extreme, way on the other side. And just so you know, I just want to be up front, be clear with you. Just so you know, at Grace Church, we believe both of those views, feminists, chauvinists, are wrong. Flat out wrong, okay? We don't hold to either of those views. At Grace Church, we believe in a view called chivalry. Remember that? Man, that's been a long time since you've heard that word. We believe God made both male and female, and He made them both good. We believe ladies should be ladies, and men should be men. In Genesis chapter 3, when you read that chapter, you will see that God predicted that there would be a gender war between men and women. He predicted it at the beginning of time. He predicted that women would look at men and they would say, I don't trust Him. I don't trust Him. I I can do better than what He's doing. I'm going to take the reins. Like, forget Him. I'm going to do it my way. The men responded by being chauvinists. Okay? They responded by thinking, you know what? She she doesn't respect me. She isn't nice to me, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to beat her. I'm going to yell at her, I'm going to intimidate her, I'm going to be mean, and I'm going to try to control her rather than lead her. And in this gender war, men either respond, they respond one of two ways, they respond either with violence or with total indifference. And when I say indifference, I mean that the man ignores, he abandons, Uh, sometimes it's referred to as stonewalling, you just... You just, you're quiet. You don't respond to anything your wife is saying. You pretend she isn't there. Indifference means the man does absolutely nothing to help carry the load of responsibility in leading the family. So men respond either with violence or with indifference. And this indifference is exactly what Adam did at the very beginning of time in the Garden of Eden. Okay, that's what men do. They turn to violence or they pretend like the problem doesn't exist. Fellas, we have been doing this throughout all of history. I mean, a lot of us, when we get home from work, we go straight to the garage and we start working with loud power tools, right? Trying to drown out the noise of the woman. That's how a lot of us roll. You know, man, sadly and unfortunately, feminists have some good points to make when it comes to statistics. According to the World Health Organization, one-fifth of the world's females are physically or sexually abused by men at some point in their life. In addition to that, the U.S. Surgeon General says domestic violence by males against females accounts for more adult female emergency room visits Than traffic accidents, muggings, and rapes combined. And lastly, the US Department of Justice says 30% of all women who are murdered are killed by their husbands, ex husbands, or boyfriends. So feminists say you know what? Men are horrible to women, they're horrible to women. And I fully agree. I fully agree with them. But the question is, and where we differ, the question is, is what do we do? Okay? Do, do How do we fix this problem? Do we encourage the women to be like men? Do we train women? I'm sorry, excuse me, rather, do we train men to be like women? Do we encourage the women to be lesbians so that they don't have anything to do with men do we encourage the men not to be manly or masculine is that what we're supposed to do that's the question i want to just kind of throw out there this morning is is how do we fix that problem god in the bible says that's not at all what we should do that's no way to solve the problem you want to fix the gender war you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to see the solution. And that's where we'll begin today. I'll read verses 2 through 16, and then I'm going to do my best to untangle the knots this morning. Uh, this, Once again, this can be one of the most complicated chapters in the whole Bible, so I just encourage you, stay with me, okay? I know the rain it's kind of makes you sleepy. Stay with me, okay? Hang in there with me. And I w- also want to remind you that the church in Corinth, they were writing letters to the Apostle Paul, And they were asking him a lot of questions, and Paul is answering their questions. Okay, So the problem is in this chapter is we have the answers, but we don't have the questions. So we have to infer and we have to come to some conclusions about what some of the questions were. So chapter 11, verse 2 uh, of 1 Corinthians, and uh, I hope I don't make too much of a mess today. Pastor Paul says, Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I deliver them to you. Okay, here comes one of the most hotly debated verses in all of Scripture. Here it is. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. Verse 4 every man who prays or prophesy, uh, prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head since it is the same as if her head were shaven so the question can be asked so, so do i have to cover my head when i pray okay that's a really good question we'll get to that in just a minute for if a wife will not cover her head then she should cut off her or then she should cut her hair short but since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and the glory of God. Fellas, I just want to say something to you really quick. Most of you have been told okay, that you're losers, um, you're, you'll never amount to too much, okay? there's no purpose in life for you, just, just go and you know, live wild and crazy. Gentlemen, I want to say, you are the glory of God. That's what the Scripture says. then he goes on to say, but woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. More controversy. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Okay, we're going to talk about this. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as a woman was made from man, so a man now is born of woman. And all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Make up your own mind. It is proper, uh, is it proper, rather, for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, okay, some of you have probably already sent me emails all right, come on, man. I haven't even gotten to my points yet. Give me a break. Okay? If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. All right, let me close in prayer. Thank you for being with us today. Father God. Okay. Woo! All right. Are you ready? Ready or not? Here we go. Ah! Paul starts out by saying... In verse 2, he's speaking to the church of Corinth, and he says, Church, I love you. Okay? I love you. Thanks for remembering me. Thanks for holding to the teachings that I have passed on to you. Man, you, you've learned some things, but you are a mess. You're a mess, church in Corinth. Man, you are totally messed up when it comes to gender because you live in Corinth. And now let me just remind you, Corinth and Durango, same thing, okay? Same thing. Women in Corinth at this time they were they were shaving their heads they were wrapping their breasts so that they would be flat-chested so that they would look more like men they were becoming lesbians so that they didn't have to deal with men they were wearing men's clothes they were having sex change operations because in their minds God had made a huge mistake when he made them women the men were also turning to homosexuality they were wearing heels and purses they were dressing in drag okay all kinds of crazy issues going on in the city of Corinth and Paul is saying to the church he's saying listen church you're following the culture you're not following scripture and as your pastor I want to talk to you about these issues so there will be no confusion Listen, he says, church, listen, God made us male and female and He doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. So don't be ashamed. Don't disregard the gender God made you because it was part of His created order. It was part of His plan. As we move to verse 3, we see that the Trinity is the best example for us to follow in order for us to have healthy relationships. I've, I've counseled couples that have come from horrendous families, horrendous backgrounds, awful experiences, and the comment has been made, where, where am I supposed to look to for an example of how to be a husband, how to be a father, how to be a wife, how to be a mother? Where should I look? Where do a man and woman look for an example of a healthy relationship? The answer is they look to God. So, so let me ask you, how many true gods are there? I'll help you out. How many true gods are there? A little bit louder. Thank you. But he shows up in three persons God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this are they equal? A little bit louder. Thank you. Are they each fully God? You guys are great. Okay. Do they share the same attributes? Is there different roles, different authority within the Trinity? Ooh. This is kind of controversial. There's some people that would disagree with me. Jesus submits to God the Father. I don't know if you knew that. Jesus submits to God the Father and we see this most clearly in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I didn't come to do My own will, but the will of the Father. Jesus also prays things like this. He says, Father, not My will, but Yours be done. Jesus, He shows submission and He shows respect to God the Father. Is is He equal to God the Father? Yes, absolutely. But He submits to God the Father. Jesus also said, I and my Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, So what does this have to do with you? Let me ask, are men and women... Equal. A little bit louder? Yes. Man, great. Are they both image bearers of God? Were they both made in the image of God? Yes. yes. But within that is there authority that is to be exercised and respected. Yes. Okay, when the Scripture speaks of the head, it speaks of authority. The Scripture says, the head of every man is Christ, and the head of a wife is her husband. And Paul lays out authority, he lays out respect for that authority. And he says, God the Father is head of Christ. Likewise, the husband is head of the wife. So so what does it mean? Okay, this is just the journey I went on as I was writing this sermon I ask myself, what does it mean to be the head? You see, a lot of women will say, I don't have to submit to any authority. Like they just hate the word submission. It's not a popular word in our culture. I just want to challenge you. I want you to think about something for a minute. Are, if you're not willing to submit to any authority, are you saying that you're better than Jesus? Because He submits to the authority of the Father. Some of you men will respond and you'll say, I love this message. Ah, I like this. I like to be the boss. That's not at all what it means to be the head. Not even close. Okay? You're not the boss. Okay? God is the boss. You're not the boss, fellas. That's not at all what it means to be the head. What if... A man tells his wife to do something that God forbids her to do. Should she do it? No. Because God's the boss. Because the husband is not the ultimate authority. The husband is under authority as well. He's under the authority of Jesus. He's under the authority of God the Father. He's also under the authority of the church. Paul's saying, listen gang, don't Be afraid of authority. Because everyone is under authority, including Jesus. Don't be afraid of it. It's a good thing. You know, the best thing a man could do for his wife is to love God, to know his Bible, to spend a long time on his knees in prayer. You know, most of the decision-making in his home will be with his wife. The Bible says a prudent wife is from the Lord. It's not about being the boss, fellas. It's about leading her to be closer to God by following Jesus, by being a living example. You know, the vast majority of leadership in a family is the man opening his Bible with his family and explaining to his family what it is that God intends for them to do. And in doing that, he's submitting to his authority, Jesus Christ. Every one of us, everyone is under authority. Authority is good. Okay? Authority is good for us. It protects us. It grows us. It helps us to be more like Jesus. Men, this means that we should be an authority like Christ. Loving, caring, serving, blessing and nurturing his wife as Jesus does his bride, the church. That's what it means. Verses 4-6 through Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head, but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut off Then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. Okay, the whole issue of head coverings, the whole issue is portraying a picture an image of submission to authority. Okay, we're talking about a different culture here. You have to remember this. And in that culture women would wear a scarf over their head or they would put their hair up in a bun and they would they would do that as a sign an outward sign saying that i respect my dad okay that, that was their culture they would put a covering over their head and it was showing that a daughter respects her father or that a wife respects her husband in doing that they were saying i respect my bible i respect the leadership of the church i respect jesus And once again, in this culture, some women wouldn't wear a covering. Okay, they would let their hair down. And in this culture, that's what prostitutes did. Okay, remember, this is a cultural issue. In in this day, the lesbians, they would shave their heads. It was an outward act of rebellion. They would shave their heads in defiance of, to authority, and prostitutes would would let their hair down, once again, in defiance of authority. The godly women, they covered their heads to say, I'm not a lesbian, I'm not a prostitute, I don't want to be a man, I want to be a Christian. And Paul's saying, a godly woman, a godly wife, is going to be respectful, She's a feminine woman who learns to appreciate the fact that God made her a woman. It's a great thing. God made you that way on purpose. And she's comfortable and she's confident in her own skin. And she's not trying to be a man. And to the men, Paul says, a man should not be a leader in the church if he covers his head like a woman. And in this culture, the men didn't cover their heads because that's what the women did. If they covered their heads, you couldn't tell. Is that a man or a woman? In this culture, they embraced their masculinity. In this culture, the men were man, they, they were willing to take on responsibility. They wanted to be the guy that loved his wife, that loved his kids. He had his life together, had his life in order. And the scripture says that the elders, the senior leaders of the church, man, they're supposed to be good husbands, good fathers who have their lives in order. Men we respect, men who are like Jesus, men you can look up to spiritually. Paul says. Listen, we're equal, but we have different roles. So what does this mean for our culture? It means a godly woman should present herself in such a way that she looks not like a lesbian, okay, not like a prostitute, but she looks like somebody who respects authority. That's what it means in our day. Practically, this is what I would say to you ladies as your pastor. Practically, this is what it means. Practically, if you're a single lady here this morning, you should dress in such a way that shows respect to your father. That would be my encouragement to you. That would be my counsel to you. Dress in a way that respects your dad. And if you're a married woman, you dress in a way that respects your husband. And when you think about it, it's not really a big deal at all. We make it a big deal because of sin and rebellion, and it's not a big deal. Women who don't respect authority and men who don't—you know—they don't—they don't don't respect the men that don't exercise their authority in, in godly ways. This leads me to a very important. Just practical consideration for the men. Men, you need to embrace your role as a man. You need to embrace your duties as men. And don't be afraid of responsibility. At Grace Church, listen, we're not ashamed to say that we're targeting the men. And I believe the best way I can minister to women and children is to reach the men and to make sure that they are fired up for Jesus Christ. And you know what the concern is? The concern is if we target men, women won't come. And I have talked to countless women inside and outside Grace Church and the overwhelming desire is for their husband, father, brother, boyfriend, To read their Bible, to pray, to get a job, to be sober, to be active in their church, and to lead the way spiritually. Overwhelming desire. To be honest with you, I have yet to talk to a woman who says, I don't want that. Don't be afraid, fellas. To be a man. Don't be afraid of it. And ladies, don't be afraid to be a woman. God didn't make a mistake when He made you the way He did. And to keep it simple, I believe Paul is saying this. I believe Paul is saying a man should look like a man, and a woman should look like a woman. Men should be men. Okay? They shouldn't be feminine, dressing like women, afraid of responsibility. No, man, they should work hard. They should be able to hold down a job. They should be able to pay their own bills. They're not drunks. They're not cowards. Man, they do things well. They're responsible. They're respectful. And they're loving and serving Jesus in the process. Man, that's right, Pastor Justin. That's good. That's good. It's really quiet today. <laughs> Ladies, the Scripture says, the woman was made to help. And and many will say, oh, I hate that. That's so degrading. Like, how dare you say such a thing? I, I don't want to be a helper. Let me, man just kindly and gently and lovingly as your pastor. Remember, I said that in my prayer at the beginning of this message, that God is for you, I'm for you, He wants the best for you, I want the best for you. Let me kindly remind you that in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is called a helper. So ladies, those of you that are helpful to your husbands, you have the same role as the Holy Spirit. That is not degrading in the slightest. It's not demeaning. It's actually honoring. Secondly, ladies, I just want you to know that your husband, he needs you. Trust me, he needs you. Okay? I need my wife. She was gone for two nights at the ladies' retreat and everything almost fell apart. Okay? <laughs> I need her. I am a mess without her. Ladies, what does this mean for those of you who are single? You may be asking, like, so am I just supposed to wait around for a husband? Like, no. Okay? Go to college, get a degree, start a career, get involved in ministry. But I I, I do want to speak something to you. I want to say, when you get married, just know. That things are going to get interrupted. Things will change when you get married. Because some single ladies, they say, I don't want my life to change. My counsel would be, then don't get married. Because a man has a way of disrupting everything. Okay? (laughs) We're really good at it. Paul also said that angels are an example of authority. Verse 10, he says, that is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. There's a lot of opinions. To be honest with you, nobody really knows kind of what this verse means, okay, just to be blunt. But let me give you my best guess, okay? This issue of authority and respect is something that began even before humans existed. It began with the angels. Angels were made, remember, before humans, and they were made to obey God. Some of them did obey God. Some of them did not obey God. And the ones that didn't, we call them demons. So Paul's saying, hey, listen, fellas, when you don't respect the authorities Of Jesus. Ladies, when you don't respect the authority of your husband, it's demonic. Some of the angels, man, they already tried this. They already tried to rebel against God, they tried to rebel against godly authority, and it didn't work out so well for them. They got booted out. I'm just suggesting that we should look at the example of angels and demons. And it might keep us from being so rebellious. The next point is the fact that men and women need each other. Okay? That's why the feminist and the chauvinist views, they don't work. Because we need one another. We need each other. Verse 11, Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman. All things are from God. The first woman came from man, and every man since has come from woman. The fact is, we depend on each other. We need one another. The world is going to tell you this. The world will say, be independent. And the Bible says, no, 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 no. That's how you get destroyed. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The world the world says when you get married, okay, you have your career, she has her career. you have your friends, she has her friends. you have your bank account, she has her bank account, you have your religion, she has her religion. and eventually you know what will happen? you'll have your divorce attorney and she'll have her divorce attorney. Okay, that's how it ends up. It's not independent or fighting against each other, but instead it's working together. One flesh. You need each other. You know, the the homosexual and the lesbian, their vision for life is wrong. Because men need women, and women need men. It's male and female, the way God intended. And it's what God said was very good. Remember creation, He created this beautiful earth, all the animals, plants, oceans, and He said, oh, that's good. But when He created man and woman, He said, that's very good. Paul also says, all things are from God. If God made you a man, why would you despise being a man? If God made you a woman, why would you despise being a woman? Man, man, don't be ashamed of your gender, because all things are from God. And God doesn't make mistakes. I'm saying that over and over again in this message. Because there's some of us right here in this room that we're struggling with this. We're struggling. Our culture is struggling. And we need to know that God doesn't make mistakes. Men should be masculine. Women should be feminine. And once again, in this culture, lesbians shaved their heads, prostitutes wore their hair down. In this culture, men who were gay, okay, they wore their hair long. And we're trying to look like women, they were trying to look like women. They were dressing in drag, you know? It's it's not something new. We we think we're so modern and new in this culture. Okay, they were doing that two thousand years ago in Corinth. It's not modern, it's not new, it's not hip, it's not cool. So so what about our culture? Can can women have short hair? Can men have long hair? Like your dreams to be a rock star and I just crushed it? Paul said, judge for yourselves. And I believe Paul is saying, in every culture, men need to look like men. Women need to look like women. Okay, There's a, there's a huge difference between a woman who is styling her hair short and a woman who is trying to look like a man. Huge difference. What I would say is if you have a hard time telling whether or not it's a man or a woman, Houston, we have a problem. Okay, That's a problem. We shouldn't have to do a double take to make sure you're a man. That's, that, that would be my suggestion. Because when we look to Jesus... We see a man. We see a man who was a construction worker. Calloused hands. There was no product in his hair. He wasn't wearing a dress. He was a man. He is the man. And that is our example, fellas. That's who we are to be like. And let me say this. In the Bible, there are principles and there are methods. Principles are transcultural, universal. They apply to everyone. Methods are culturally applicable, okay? They can kind of ebb and flow. So the principle here is women should look like women and men should look like men. That, that's the principle. That's being taught. And let me just say, men, if if you're wondering what you should do to appear more masculine, l- let me give you just three suggestions, okay? Number one, if if you're going to wear a kilt, you have to weigh... Over two hundred pounds, and you have to grow a beard first, okay <laughs> number two if if you go to a professional baseball game, don't bring a glove, okay? Because if the foul you know foul balls hit to you, catch it with your bare hand. That's what men do, okay. And if your hands are full, like with your nachos and your hot dogs, then catch it with your teeth, okay? Number three. If it takes you more than two sentences to order your coffee at Durango Joe's, <laughs> stop, okay? <laughs> stop, and, and just tell the server that uh, you'll take it black, okay? That'll help. All right. I had to add a little humor, because I think people were getting ready to throw things, so. In all serious, seriousness, though, church... Um, the reality is is that there is a lot of gender confusion. Some some people are confused about their gender. And and some people just flat out hate their gender. And I'm just going to submit to you this morning that I believe the main cause for gender confusion, the main cause for someone hating their gender is sexual abuse. Most guys who struggle with gender issues were molested when they were younger. Most women who become lesbians or they don't trust men, they were molested or sexually abused at some point in their life. And there's a lot of gender confusion issues, but when you peel back the layers abuse usually lies at the core. And to those of you, man, I, I love you. Our church loves you. You are welcome here. We're walking through this with you.
1: To those of you who are
0: struggling in this way, I just want to say, instead of defending your lifestyle, I, I want to encourage you to deal with your abuse. Abuse. And see if that doesn't help to clarify your identity. Get together with a trusted pastor, a trusted biblical counselor, a trusted Christian friend, and get to the root of the issue. So, in closing, good men, okay, good men nourish, they encourage, they protect. Good men provide for their wife. They provide for their family. Good men, they build up their wife. They nurture them to be more like Christ. And a wife that is under the headship of a man who loves and serves Jesus has a life full of love, security, safety, and joy. That's what God intends. I want you to know that's the heart of God. A wife Under the headship of a man who loves and serves Jesus, to be blunt, she feels spoiled. That's the way it should be. That's what it means, fellas, to be the head. So what in the world does this have to do with worship? Our culture says, be independent. Do your own thing. Survival of the fittest, right? Don't submit to authority. Don't submit. Don't submit. God says, true worship begins by being under authority. Men loving Jesus, loving their wife, loving their family, nourishing them, encouraging them, protecting them physically and spiritually... It's ladies loving Jesus and respecting men who use their God-given authority like Jesus does. That, church, is where true worship begins. An old saying is, no one struts to the cross. God, He doesn't like pride. He doesn't like arrogance. And if you walk in thinking you're all of that, you are not worshiping God. He doesn't receive that worship. He receives worship of someone who is humble, someone who is coming to Him with their hands open, ready to serve. That's the worship He receives. And it begins by being under His authority. And so I want to say, church, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have to start there. Wife, Maybe you're like, man, I'm going to deal with my husband later. Right now I need to get my relationship with Jesus right first. Fantastic. That's where you need to begin. You need to start there. Maybe your husband is a mess. Maybe your wife is a mess. You know who isn't a mess? Jesus. He won't abandon you. He won't abuse you. He loves you. He's going to protect you. Start there. Make sure your relationship is right with Him this morning. I'm going to invite the band up. And we're going to close out this morning with a song called Overcome. And uh, I just want to say thanks, church, for getting through that chapter with me. I really appreciate it. Let me close in prayer. Father God, thank you for what you're doing. Man, it was just great to hear uh, lady after lady just express how impacting the ladies' retreat was this past weekend and just how it ministered to them and their heart and how they were able to meet new friends and get connected better into the church. And I'm just thankful that so many ladies were able to go and. And I just pray, Lord, that as we learn and as we grow as a church, that we'll be more and more like You, Jesus. And we will be under authority. No one's going to be strutting to the cross. It's, it's not all dependent upon me or Pastor Keith or Pastor Chris Pastor Bob. It's, it's dependent upon You, Jesus. I pray that we would all be willing to be under authority. That we would be willing to submit. We would be willing to follow the example of Jesus. And it's hard. We're not called to do easy things. We are actually called to do the impossible. But with Christ, all things are possible. Help us to be willing to submit. Be willing to be under authority. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.